Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 114. Mac, how did we make it that far? That's insane. I don't know, but it's climbing quickly. Richmond, I told you this earlier, we are coming for you, my brother. We're going to catch you. Oh, in terms of total number? Yeah, we are. We really are. And by the way, speaking of that, (laughs) speaking of numbers, speaking of over 100, we asked our listeners to get us over 100 ratings. I think we're now at like 106 or something. So people did it, and we really appreciate that. So keep giving us those ratings. Keep reviewing. And I'm talking about the reviews. I think there are 106 reviews. Um, keep following us and subscribing on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so much. Some of the reviews are great. It's just so heartwarming, Mac to read what the people think <laughs> and follow us on Twitter. So you can stay up to date with some of this mailbag stuff that we're going to be doing at Kelly Graham, like at Eric McLean. Mac, would you like to explain um, the premise of this mailbag episode that we are about to do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've been discussing and trying to do nif- different and new stuff. And, uh, you know, we kind of came up with this, this idea, you know, what do the people want? And you guys did an awesome job. We got a ton of messages, a ton of uh, comments underneath our initial tweet there from Kelly and I uh, just saying, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? What do you want to know? And so really, we had to trim down this list a bit. uh, So please don't be offended if we don't read your name. If you sent me something to a DM, I assume you wanted it to be relatively private. So we will not (laughs) give you a shout out. But everybody that commented underneath, we will be giving you guys a shout out. So if people think it's a silly question or a good question, they going to find you. Yes, you're going to be <laughs> exposed. But really, thank you guys for responding and giving us these questions. And if you don't make it into this one, the next time we do a mailbag, you can bring it with a really good question and you'll probably make it in. That's so right. So why don't we dive in, Mac? We've got some ACC football questions. A lot of those we're going to hit on quite a few teams. We've got some work questions in terms of career path and stuff. Some food questions, of course. Honestly, I'm disappointed we didn't get more of those. I wish we yeah, had Yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> and then we've got an NIL question, too, that we'll, we'll address. But let's start with this overall ACC football question that we got from Terry Martin on Twitter. He says, who will make the biggest move to make the ACC football championship game? And really, Mac, we could just kind of address this as to who we think is going to be in the ACC football championship game. You and I were just discussing this a little bit off air. And it's a tough one to predict. Where are you leaning with this question right now, Mac? Yeah, well, when you look at it, there I think there's two really easy answers. And, of course, that would be Wake Forest, who's undefeated in conference, and the Pittsburgh Panthers, who is undefeated in conference. But, as we all know, this is a crazy, crazy conference. And things happen in this league that people do not expect, i.e., this entire season. We, no one expected this. So I think the easy answer is right there that we'll see those guys continue to, you know, just be the team necessary and, and do the things necessary to get to Charlotte and play in an ACC championship for Pitt. First time since uh, 2018 for the Demon Deacons. First time in a long time. I do not have that research in front of me. I'm sorry, Wake Forest. Maybe 2006, I believe, is, is accurate uh, when you won the league, played in the Orange Bowl, pretty good team. Uh, but I think there are still some teams out there. A team like NC State, your dream is not dead. You have one loss. Now, of course, it's disappointing. Some terrible injuries. Isaiah Moore, man, my heart breaks for you, brother. 
um, was just playing so well. And then to, you know, come up injured out for the season, I assume he's going to move on to the NFL. And, and that, that just stinks. NC State has a couple of really big uh, injuries here and Chandler, the starting left guard. So a couple of big ones for NC State. But when you look at their schedule, versus Louisville at FSU at Wake, that's the important one. If they win out and beat Wake Forest, they're in. They're in the championship. They have the tiebreaker with Wake, uh, even though if Wake would have just one loss, they they have that tiebreaker. And so they can clearly still get in here. There's another chaotic situation where I think Virginia could find a crazy way in. And this one's maybe a little bit more over the top because they have to play at Pitt. And then, of course, in their season with Virginia. Uh, but if you beat Pitt and if they have another slip up somewhere, which they have a pretty tough ending here with versus Miami this weekend, versus Carolina, versus Virginia, and then at Syracuse to end their season, that's a tough little stretch. And so, Kelly, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination this thing is is over and done, and I'm sure there's going to be some chaos somewhere. It's not. And I don't think either of us think Wake Forest is going to run the table. They're going to lose somewhere. So if they lose an ACC play, which the rest of their games are, they already beat Army, then NC ah, State has a very good chance. Do not forget about the out-of-conference game versus oh, North Carolina. Right. What a oh, crazy shoot. thing. That How wild always messes is that? me up. You're right. So that won't count against them. And speaking of non-ACC games, Virginia's next two are BYU this weekend, which is a big game at BYU. I think if Virginia wins that, they'll probably be ranked most, or they should be because BYU's 25th. Then they play Notre Dame. So Virginia can lose their next two, and it doesn't, I mean, it matters if for what Virginia wants to do, what they can accomplish. But then they have Pitt and Virginia Tech. So Virginia needs Pitt to lose probably to North Carolina or maybe to Miami this weekend, and then they need to beat them on November 20th. But if you had to predict right now, today, Mac, as we're recording, I think my prediction right now, just because Wake can still lose a game and then beat NC State and be in it, I think my prediction right now is Wake Forest Pitt, which would be no, no one in the universe, Earth, Mars, any other planets, predicted that before the season. If you did, you are a liar. <laughs> I don't believe you. Uh, you only mentioned two planets there. Shout out to our friends on uh, Saturn. Uh, they probably, they might have, they, yeah, those two might have predicted it. But um, l- let me ask you this, KG. <laughs> and this was from another uh, great fan of the show. They DM this, so I'm not calling them out. But is this what the ACC needed? Did they need other teams to rise up, a la NC State, a la Wake Forest, Pitt, Virginia, to to just kind of break up the you know normal Clemson dominance? Did the ACC need this to prove that this league is is competitive? That there's not just a a, a one league team? My answer is no, because I think here's the thing, Mac. The way I heard that question, you're basically asking, did the ACC need Clemson to fall off? And the answer is no. I think everyone else could have been better. Pitt could still be, if they didn't lose to Western Michigan, let's say they lose to Clemson, they still have one loss. Wake Forest could still be undefeated if Clemson was not having an abysmal season. So I'm, I'm happy for Pitt. It's great to see Pitt and Wake and these other teams rise up in Virginia. But Clemson doesn't have to decline for those teams to rise up. I don't think it's good for the ACC that Clemson is currently having a, a really rough season. But I do think it's good that Pitt and Wake and these other schools have, have risen up. Does that make sense? 
I like, I see where you're going. I like what you're thinking here. I think it is good in the fact that other teams are rising up, as you just said, but I have that asterisk that, you know, Clemson does not need to have a down year. No, the superpower that's not good of the league the ACC. does not, right. Just like if, if Bama had a good year, no one in the SEC is saying, yeah, this is great for football. This is great for our conference. So I say yes in the fact that Virginia, Pitt, Wake, and NC State are stepping up knowing the fact that Clemson taking a couple of steps backwards. I totally think that that is uh, you know, not a great thing for this league in any stretch of the imagination. All right, Mac, let's get to our next question. We had quite a few questions about Clemson. We'll get to those right now. Mike, Mike, and he asks, what is the main issue with the Clemson offense that has them playing this poorly? Well, Mac, as we have discussed, there really isn't one issue. There's like 20, but if you had to pick one, what is it? Yeah, I think it's the the caveat to this is there is no solution. There is no single thing that if this happened, Clemson would be a much better team offensively. And that is sad in a in a sense. And it's also kind of the the fact of the matter. You know, when I was reviewing the you know pit tape this week, blocking on the edge has been a huge problem. And and it's been a big time problem with what Clemson likes to do. Uh, that was very evident. The Clemson or the excuse me, the Pittsburgh corners were extremely physical. Were blowing those guys up and then hitting Clemson in the uh, you know kind of quick game there. And so that is something that I think has really changed the game. Uh, catching the ball as easy as that has been a huge problem for Clemson. There's a tight end in the flats. If he catches it, maybe a you know 15, 20 yard pickup drops the ball. Um, there was a couple of times that DJ just totally missed guys. Uh, we, we saw Bo Collins just absolutely blow by a guy on a route. It, it's a touchdown. If all he has to do is throw the ball in front of him and he throws it short and behind. Uh, the, the pick that he threw to Justin Ross was low and behind. You got to throw that high and outside if you're throwing in that type of coverage. And so offensive line play, guys you know, missing blocks or, or just totally communicating the wrong way on that uh, uh, the pick six on the shovel pass. If the offensive line blocks the way they're supposed to, that doesn't happen. And so there's just so many different things, different pages that guys are on that, you know, if we could just sit down with all you guys and watch tape and point out, okay, this is what it was on this play. This is what it was on this play. It, it truly is something different. There's not like a, a a biggest point of this entire thing or something that keeps showing up more than other things. And so I know it's frustrating as a fan to watch. It's more frustrating as a former player and as a current player and coach and all that. So it's uh, it's tough sledding, and those guys are really struggling. So it's going to be interesting to see. Here's a fun question, Kelly, from Seth Diamond. Uh, what is the likelihood that Clemson can turn the page on 21 through just one offseason? Well, that's a great question. I think Clemson can turn the page, but I'm not sure to what. You know, if if basically, I think what this person is asking is, can Clemson just forget about this season and make the playoff in 22? And I would have to say right now, probably not. Um, just because, you know, a lot of college football these days, if you don't have elite quarterback play, you're going to really struggle. And I just don't know what DJU will look like after an off season. And, you know, if he continues to, I thought he played better in the first quarter, at least before the Shipley drop against Pittsburgh. So is he a, a new player? 
But you also have Cade Klubnick coming in, so we'll talk about that with another question. But he's, of course, only a freshman. He is your highest-rated recruit in, or the highest-rated quarterback in 22, but he's just a true freshman. And then you're probably going to have Justin Ross, I'm assuming, moving on. You're going to have to get a lot healthier at the wide receiver position. The wide receivers are going to have to play so much better. So I think Clemson can flip the page and win the ACC, perhaps, in 22 and be in the playoff discussion. But I don't know if right now, Mac, just because of the uncertainty at quarterback and wide receiver and some of the veterans you'll lose on the defense, that I would just say you got you can pencil them in for the playoff in 22. And I don't I'm not even sure someone like Dabo Sweeney would say that that there's just so many questions right now. What do you think yeah, of that question? I, I agree. I, I think there is just there's so much uncertainty and and a bunch of what ifs. You know, what if this guy comes back? What if that guy comes back? What what if they get you know, healthier, quicker, can go through a full offseason. So there's so many, you know, just different what-ifs that it's it's hard to sit here and predict. Now, we will certainly do that all offseason long and, and really talk about it once we see kind of how those things unshake. But, you know, I, I think something that kind of goes right into this next question from uh, my boy Crocker, Seabark uh, underscore 32, shout out. Um, you know, can a freshman come in and Cade Klubnik and, and start? And, and I think the answer to that is yes, we've seen it before. Uh, so if if you are a player on this team moving forward in this offseason, I think that this is going to be a really critical spring. Now, we, we always say, um, you know, every position is open. There are battles. But there's sometimes that that just quite isn't true. I think after a season like this, you're going to see that more than ever. So if a guy, if a young guy comes in early at any position, I'll just kind of skip over the quarterback, seeing how I, I just answered that. I think any young guy that comes in that – if they're better, they're going to play. If they get a better grasp of the offense or defense and, and they're doing it better than the guy in front of them, they'll play. And, and I think that we have seen Clemson do that time and time again and uh, been been very successful with doing so. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. Can they turn the page? I agree with you, Kelly. Yes, they will. But what is on the next page? What's on page 22? Uh, we will <laughs> sure, certainly uh, find out and find out very quickly. We will. I think, you know, Club Nick, he's, he's enrolling in January, so – as long as DJ is still there, which I, I think we all hope he is, you never want to leave after one season and that didn't go well. I think you'd love to see him stick it out. That's going to be a great competition where both guys would get better. I think the wide receiver group is still a big question mark for me. That's another, that's honestly would probably be my biggest question mark in the offseason for Clemson. But the good news is Brian Brzee will be back. And here's another thing, Mac, with Tyler Davis and all the injuries he's had, some people thought after this year he would go if he had a great year. I feel like he'll come back and to increase his draft stock. So you'll have Brzee and Davis back to anchor the middle of that D-line. That would be huge. Yeah, I agree. I think he has to come back uh, again, to be quite honest, just because of injuries. He's had an injury-prone type of career. So it looks like that Clemson defensive line really will just reload and, and get back to where they need to be. All right, let's move to Pittsburgh, KG. Let's do it. All right. We had some good questions about Pittsburgh and the Pitt Panthers. They are rolling right now. Our first Pitt question comes to us from Patrick Revin on Twitter. He asks, who gets drafted higher, Kenny Pickett or Jordan Addison? And I saw there was a poll on Twitter and it was 50-50 split. And now these guys, you know, Jordan Addison has another year. He's only a sophomore. So it'll be different drafts. But Mac, this is a good question. Who gets drafted higher, Kenny Pickett or Jordan yeah, Addison? Yeah, I, I love this question because it's so intriguing. And really, if you were to ask it before the season, before right now, I think everybody, no, no, brainer, no brainer, would say Jordan Addison. 
Uh, but what's nuts is that Kenny is just flying up the boards. We've been talking about it for quite some time. It seems like everybody else is now really catching up. He was just listed as the number one quarterback on Mel Kuyper's big board, I believe 13th overall. And, and it's it's nuts to see the way that he has climbed up this thing. And, and it's very much, uh, you know, I think a product of his hard work and, and the things that he set out to do and, and just really looking at it and say, hey, coming back is going to make me $30 million. Can you imagine that, KG? A 30-plus million dollar decision. I don't think he even no, predicted no. that. I think he thought coming back would make him yeah. money, but there's a difference between a couple mil and yes. 30 mil, right, Mac? I know you know all about yeah, that. Maybe one day. I don't think so. Um, but when you when you look at this, it's also <laughs> there's a little luck involved in this thing because this was is a quarterback class that is in disarray. That that there is no yeah. except for Kenny Pickett, consistent guy that that is just constantly dealing. Game in and game out. You look at the number one overall pick, the Heisman favorite, guarantee all of this. He's benched. He's sitting on the bench at Oklahoma. You look at uh, uh, Sam Howell, who had all these expectations. His team has three losses and and is not going to be competing for a championship. So all these different things are getting into play here with this draft. And and I think once, you know, these folks get to meet Kenny and go through the entire draft process, somebody's going to fall in love. And I'm ready to go out on this branch and say that he's going to be the first quarterback taken. I truly think so. So with that in mind, it'll be pretty hard for Jordan to be picked higher than Kenny uh, because that maybe slots him for a top five pick, which is unbelievable. Look, Mac, I think you're exactly right. He could be the first quarterback off the board this year. And that means you're a first round pick, probably a top 10 pick because people will overreach a little bit for quarterbacks. That's how it works. And I think he will deserve it after how he's played this season if he keeps it up. And so it's just tough to say Jordan Addison is going to be a top 10 pick. I think Addison will end up being probably a second round, third round pick if he keeps this up. His generally, the at least in recent years, Mac, when you think of the wide receivers taken in the first round, a lot of them are a little bigger guys, guys that, you know, can go up and get it like a Jamar Chase. You still have speed but you also have a little more size. So I think Addison could be second or third round. Is that is that where you have him, Mac? Yeah, I think if he you know continues to go to Berserk and actually what happens after this year, what happens when Kenny leaves? Does he still oh, have you know the crazy production or was it because he had such a great quarterback? Which, you know, I think he's shown time and time again that he is a very special guy, but you know, no question that he could sneak into the first two days uh, of the NFL draft. Moving on to to our questions here, Dan Siegel uh, at ACC content underscore. He wants to know what the heck is up with Kenny Pickett. How do you explain (laughs) this? How has he come back for his fifth year and is just now elite? What do you attribute this to? And and honestly, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, injuries. You know, he's faced some, some little annoying injuries throughout his career. He's finally healthy. Number two, his footwork is on another level Right now, KG, when he sets his feet, he gets his feet under him, and he's making these big-time throws. So that's something that he could have certainly been honing in and practicing all offseason long. And then number three, he just has a total control and ownership over this offense. It it looks so easy for him out there playing. I mean, it's literally like a grown man playing with children, which in some instances it is, but really proud of what Kenny has been able to do this year. I think the other thing I would add, Mac, is confidence. This guy's confidence is on a different level. And I think a lot of that has to do with the work he's putting in 
in the work he put in in the offseason and probably some some mental work as well, I have to assume. And then the chemistry he has with his guys. Jordan Addison was only a freshman last year, and they didn't really get an offseason because of COVID, so they couldn't go out there and, and work together. I think the chemistry between him and Kroll and Taysier Mack and all these guys is obvious. And then I think the line's playing a lot better as well, Mack. I know you can speak to that, but it's kind of like when you ask, well, what's wrong with Clemson? Well, there's seven issues. When you ask, how is Pickett doing this? It's not one thing. It's seven different things <laughs> yes. that come together to make this perfect storm. It absolutely is. And he's taken full advantage of it. Again, a guy who has earned so much money, uh, hopefully is going to earn some rewards with this thing. That's always fun to see. Just when a guy has this crazy senior year and it all pays off. So I think Kenny's well on his way. All right, Mac, we had a direct message about Pittsburgh. Let's flip to the other side of the ball here. Is Pitt's defensive style sustainable throughout the season? Hmm. I like this question because when you look at Pittsburgh, they do a lot of man-to-man. They trust those corners, and they want to be physical, and they say, hey, our guy is better than yours. And when you look at Pitt's schedule and you see who they have coming up, North Carolina, who has a couple of really nice wide receivers and, of course, a fantastic quarterback in Sam Howell, and then Virginia, who has shown they have a ton of guys who can run around and and make some unbelievable catches, and a quarterback who, by the way, just leads the country in passing yards. So it's going to be interesting. It truly is to see, okay, can this style keep up with these guys? Can they you know, do that kind of bump and run enough where they can hang with them, or do you see guys getting caught in traffic and and getting bumped off their man or something just silly like that? So I'm going to go out and say yes, because I think it's not run – uh, well, like Pittsburgh does, by enough people. So it's something different. You're seeing something different when you play these guys. And I think this defense is peaking at the right time. We saw them against Tennessee give up a ton of points. We saw them lose because the defense gave up a ton of points against Western Michigan. This is a totally different defense since those two games, and these guys are playing with confidence. I agree with what you're saying, Mac. I will add this. You also probably have to play Wake. So you've got UNC, Virginia, and Wake left, we assume, if they make the ACC title game, maybe NC State. This leads into our next question, and I'm going to ask the question and then give you my thoughts, and then I want you to come in on this, Mac. At Pitt Football Guy, what a great Twitter In all, in all Twitter caps, handle. by the way, this guy all is, caps. he's all about Pitt Football. At Pitt Football Guy. That's the way I would read it. What is Pitt's path to the college football playoff outside of going 12-1, and one, ACC title? What else needs to happen? First, let's start with the ACC title. Here's the thing with Pitt, and you mentioned the man-to-man coverage against some of these elite quarterbacks. They haven't really faced any of the great quarterbacks in the ACC. And even when they played Tennessee, it wasn't Hinton Hooker. So keep that in mind. They got to play North Carolina Thursday night at home, November 11th, Virginia, November 20th, and then probably Wake, December 4th. I don't think they can win all three of those. I just think it's, I, I think it's pretty unrealistic to think they do that. So I'll just go ahead and say that. And Mac, if you would like to uh, give some rebuttal, you can. And then we can talk about what else needs to happen. Because at Pit Football Guy is asking what else needs to happen. So if they do go 12-1 and and win it all, other things do need to happen. But can they do it, Mac? Yeah, so I, I'm going to take that stance. I'm assuming that they do. I'm assu- assuming they go 12-1. You really and think they can, they're going to beat UVA and, and uh, UNC and Wake? I think they no have problem. the best shot of going undefeated for the rest of the season. Of any, I didn't really answer my question. Of any 
ACC team. You like how political that was? So yeah, yeah, I think they could beat him because I think Kenny Pickett's the man. I think he's the better quarterback. So ultimately, I'm leaning offense and, and going with okay. that guy. But when you say, okay, what else has to happen? Currently, Pitt is at 17. Now, if you went out, you're going to climb this thing so fast, it, it'll it'll really take care of itself. But really, when you look outside, you've got a Cincinnati team that, assuming they went out, is going to take a spot. You've got a Georgia they team. They have to lose. You've got a Georgia team that might play Alabama in the conference championship. If Georgia loses, I think we all are going to assume that both Georgia and Alabama, if they both only have one loss, are getting in. Sure. You have an undefeated Oklahoma who, if they went out, they're in. I just named four teams. That's leaving out the Big Ten. That's leaving out the Pac-12. So there are still a ton of things that have to happen in your favor. Now, the good thing is the Big Ten is looking like it might eat itself alive and kind of take itself out of this contention or you know, a singular team might rise. We always know the Big 12, as easy as it might seem that Oklahoma has this thing, there's always that trip-up spot, and they find a way – to maybe get themselves out of there. But I think the biggest thing is Cincinnati losing. I think yes. if that happens, this gets a lot, a lot easier. Um, just because with with a loss, they will clearly be out. So that's, that's the roadmap, Pitt. It's not very difficult. And the biggest thing is worry about yourself. Just win. Right. Worry about yourself. That's what the locker room needs to embrace. I think first and foremost, Cincinnati has to lose. The second thing I think has to happen, Georgia has to beat Alabama. Because I could see the committee trying to put two loss Bama in over one loss Pitt. I mean, they would totally make the argument. Two loss? Oh, they would totally make the argument. Wow. Oh, I could totally see it. So you need Alabama to lose. (laughs) And then, so then you've got Georgia. And then if Oklahoma makes it, that's fine. Even if a Big Ten team makes it, that's fine. And then you're, you're really in the discussion. And then the other big thing, Mac, that I think needs to happen I think Wake Forest needs to go undefeated until you play them because then you have the chance of a top 10 win in the ACC title game because Wake is already 13th. If they're undefeated, if they're 12 and 0 and Pitt is 11 and 1 in the ACC title game, the winner of that game has every right to try to claim a playoff spot. So this also applies for Wake. I think all these things need to happen for Wake and Pitt needs to win out. If you're a Pitt fan or a Wake fan, you need to be rooting for the other one up until December 4th. I think that's really important. Yeah, well, I'll say this. If, if Wake Forest is undefeated and ACC champion, they're in, and I don't really have any concerns. Uh, I think that they're, you know, their their schedule gets tough enough in November, and, of course, that big win over uh, uh, in, in the ACC over a ranked team, assumingly. But I, I think undefeated ACC champion, you're, you're for sure in. What if Georgia, Cincinnati, OU, and Michigan are all undefeated? They would... <laughs> They would leave It'd Cincinnati out. I bet they would leave Cincinnati out. And the one thing to you look at, too. You need other things to happen. The, well, I don't the one think thing they'd to, leave Cincinnati out because Cincinnati, they've never played Cincinnati a G5 pushed in. themselves in the non-conference. Right. Well, maybe. They played Indiana. I think Wake and kills Indiana. I think Wake beats Notre Dame, too. Unfortunately, we don't get to see that happen this year. Um, but the interesting thing about all that, KG, I love that we're arguing, by the way. This is so fun. I know. It's fun. Um, we don't know where this committee is going to have Cincinnati. We have no clue. True, we're, true. we're based the off AP of AP is not the poll that has no even remote push on this poll. And by the way, with Cincinnati playing Navy so tight, I would not be surprised at all if they show up at like six on the first uh, poll that, the, that really? the CFP puts out. So something to pay attention to, something to remember, guys. Clearly, this, th- this whole thing is going to be very interesting to see 
what happens and Pitt, how we root finish. For That's wake. Right. That's wake, right. root for Pitt. It's that easy. Simple enough. Simple enough. All right, KG, speaking of a team that's right on the fringe that we did not just speak about at all, let's get to Virginia. We did have one Virginia uh, question here. I thought we'd get a little bit more, to be honest, with all the Kenny Pickett love and all the Sam Hartman love. What about our guy? What about the quarterback that we have in Brennan Armstrong? But it was actually about the offensive line, and I love this. Uh, This also came from a direct message, so we're keeping them uh, anonymous, if you will. And if you guys are sad about that, I'm sorry. You should have just commented and I wouldn't have done it. But he said, what are your... Th-? He, oh my gosh, already slimmed it down to 50% of the population. Mac, you don't they, know that it's a he. said, what do you feel about the who's offensive line? Um, I love these guys. I think they are super solid. I think it's a really good group uh, led by big dog up front, Alua Timmy uh, at the center position. He is just a man child that blows through guys. Uh, Chris Glazer, really impressive what he's been able to do. Bobby Haskins, Ryan Nelson, Ryan Swoboda. Sorry, Ryan, if I didn't say that right. Uh, He's like 6'12", 300 pounds. He's a monster. These guys are so good. They're so fun to watch. And I think we already explained this on on an episode from last week, but these guys, the sack number is high when you look at the total number. But when you compare it to how many times they've thrown the freaking ball, it's minimal. It's not even – it's right. close to the bottom uh, when, you, when you have teams that actually throw the ball for the living. So these guys are doing an exceptional job. They're a great core, and it looks like they have some really young talent that is developing quickly behind them. So as usual – uh, UVA's offensive line looking really solid. They are. And you always say, Mac, it's easier to run b- block than pass block because humans go forward better than they go backwards. <laughs> Going so, backward is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the fact that they're able to pass block that much for Brennan is definitely a good sign. Okay, let's talk about Florida State. Come on. We got a direct message about Florida State. Mac's been saying a lot of nice things about Florida State recently. I don't know if y'all it seen feels this. weird. It feels really weird. He's been doing the chop. In his I have time. not been doing the chop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's a direct message about Florida State. What record will Florida State have at the end of the season? Mm. They are currently three and four. They lost their first four, as we know. They won their last three. They beat Syracuse. They beat North Carolina. They beat UMass. They have five games left. They got to win three to become bowl eligible. They have three wins already, Mac. Just give me, we're going to play a little win game here. Ooh, we do this on the win radio game, all the time. yes. I'm going to like give you this. the game. I'm going to give you the game. You give me the result and like one sentence Perfect. explanation, okay? So FSU's three and four. This weekend, they play at Clemson. Loss. Why? I can't ever pick Florida State in this instance, so I'm saying loss. <laughs> Look, you got to appreciate Max's honesty. okay. <laughs> then they're three and five. They're a 10 point dog. They host NC State on November 6th. Uncomfortable, but still a loss. I think that Devin Leary, I think Ooh. Devin Leary continues to shine. I think at that point they figure out, okay, what the heck are we going to do on defense? I think Florida State has it close, but I think NC State wins. Okay. That's three and seven. Then they host Miami on November 13th. Win. I think that'll be a super fun game. I think this will get back to kind of those rivalry vibes. And uh, at the end of the day, I think Jordan Travis goes nuts and uh, they get the dub versus Miami. All right. That's their fourth win. Sorry, they're four and six there. Then you have two left. You got Boston College at home on November 20th. When? I think think Boston College just identity. We're going through a crisis right now. Uh, Not Mm -hmm. sure who they are. Um, I think at that point, the defense is going to start being stressed so much that they 
themselves, start to allow some, you know, silly things that they normally don't. And uh, I think back-to-back weeks, we see Jordan Travis go uh, go nuts. Five and six, chance to make a bowl at Florida, November 27th. Lost because it's at Florida. I, I wish for them this game was in Tallahassee. It would be a different story. I agree. If they're at home, I think they win. Here's the but reality. Away, I think they lose. This is what's so depressing if you're a Florida State fan. I think they probably end up five and seven, and you lost to Jacksonville State. Mm. All you had to do was beat <laughs> Jacksonville State, and you are in a bowl. <laughs> oh, Nuts. God, that is so frustrating. Nuts. But hey, I'll that say is still a too. big step in the right yeah, direction. It is. I'm going to put an asterisk on this because I think this weekend versus Clemson at Clemson, I'm not saying you, you. it's a guaranteed loss. I think it's going to get really, really interesting. If you beat Clemson or NC State, you probably make a bowl. You're bowling. You got to win one of those two. Yeah, yeah. And then you're feeling good. And they can do it. I, I think a lot. I don't think yeah. any of the. I don't think any game on the remainder of their schedule is a guaranteed loss or a blowout. Which is nuts. Thinking about where we were preseason, yeah. where we were the first five weeks of the season, and where we are now. This team has turned it around. They know who they are. They know what they want to do, and they're confident in it. Three straight wins since 2017. First time they've done it in four years. And they're, they're feeling good. And so that momentum and confidence are two things that can help you beat anybody. And so no look doubt. out for FSU if you are Clemson, NC State, Miami, Boston College, or Florida. Because they are coming to if you're any ruin dreams. <laughs> no doubt about it. Mac, we kind of addressed this earlier. We're gonna, we have a few more football questions and then some more kind of off-the-wall questions. If this is a direct message, if Wake goes undefeated and wins the ACC, is there any debate for them making the playoff? I say it matters what else happens. No, there's not. Matt, the committee (laughs) has made this clear. Come on. If you don't challenge yourself in the non-conference, they will burn you for it. They have made that clear. And that's what I'm worried about for Wake. I'm not saying they won't deserve it, but there's only four spots. And you have to entertain the idea of Oklahoma possibly going undefeated, Michigan or Michigan State, one of these Big Ten teams, and Cincinnati and Georgia, it's it's still possible. But <laughs> they value conference championships. Yeah, all those they teams would have do. conference championships. They value undefeated conference champions. We have never, ever seen a moment where there was four or more undefeated conference champions. True. So it's not going to happen. if Wake is undefeated, they're in. They are in. Come on, KG. We'll see. I don't. Here's the thing. Here's where I'm. I'm going to give you good news. I do not believe the Big Ten champ will be undefeated. There's just no way, because Ohio State's going to oh, beat Michigan okay. like they I always like do, and Michigan's probably going to beat Michigan State. They're going to beat so them like a drum. You're probably going to have a one-loss Big Ten champion. <laughs> so then again, our theme for Wake and Pitt: root for each other and root for anyone playing Cincinnati, because you need that team out of there. <laughs> That's right. Get it. Make it easy. Get them out. All right. So that wraps up football. Uh, thank you guys. Some really great questions, yeah. some really thoughtful questions. You guys were, were uh, super in-depth with, with some of these. Let's move off the field. Still around football, but we're going off the field, and we're going to NIL. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the boogeyman. This is a, a, it, the way that this person DM'd this to me, it was a little bit interesting, so I, I just kind of chopped it out so they didn't sound super weird. Um, basically... <laughs> Should NIL money, KG, be put into one big pot and spread throughout the team equally? My answer is simple, no, because this is America and that's not how things work. <laughs> that is right. Because Gosh, we live in a capitalistic society. A podcast with like, you. If you're worth more than someone else, you're worth more than someone else. Now, 
look, this is a challenge for coaches to deal with. It's a challenge for teammates to be good teammates and, and get over it, you know, that someone else is making a lot of money and you aren't. But, you know, I have coworkers that make more money than me. I have coworkers that make less money than me. And we just, we figured out. That's how it works. So it's a tough thing for 18 to 22 year olds to navigate and a tough thing for coaches to navigate. But this is America and I don't think you can do that. 110 billion percent. Uh, I'm going to follow up here. <laughs> Cause that was such a great answer. I don't even need to say anything. Um, what are your thoughts on NIL? Do you think it has affected the game at all? It's definitely affected the game. I'm pro NIL. I think that again, this is America. Like if you can make money off of your likeness, you should be able to, if you can make money off of your reputation, your performance, your accomplishments, then you should be able to do so. Now I do believe in some sort of regulation. So it's not the wild, wild West. And I hope that there's more regulation coming down the pike because it could be ugly. But I do think it's affected teams because it's the first, these are the first teams that are having to deal with this. And so no one's really prepared for it mentally and what's going to happen. And then I feel bad for some of these guys and the pressure they're under. Like DJ Uyunglele, he signs this deal with Dr. Pepper. We don't know how much it's worth. He signs a deal with Bojangles. He has all this preseason hype and he doesn't perform. Well, that adds even more pressure on his plate. At first, the pressure would just be Clemson, his coaches, his family. But now the pressure are these corporations that have paid him him money. So that's a whole nother added thing that can really mess with kids. It absolutely is. On on top of, you know, guys trying to chase this thing during the season. You know, that right. that is when you are at your peak popularity-wise. That that is where you're the most relevant during the season. And not from like a, a life situation. Don't hear what I'm not saying here, people. But for your sport. That's when you're on TV. That's when you're playing and you're on SportsCenter, you're on ESPN, you're on ACC Network, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where it really matters the most, where you can go to these companies and say, hey, you know, look, look what I did. Look, look how you know, worthy I am of your sponsorship dollars or your, yeah. your clothes or your product or whatever. And so now, uh, instead of just worrying about a game plan, I'm you know, putting together a proposal or I'm looking at a proposal. Right. And, and it's just, it is a distraction. Now, I, I think... I actually, I don't know. I would assume people are handling it, this the best they can and, you know, pushing it off to, to maybe Sunday or when there's not anything going on. But I just have to imagine it's a big time distraction. And it's just another added thing, you know, that you have to, uh, you know, kind of use energy to. But overall, I'm with you, KG. I think it's a great thing. I think it, it should have happened a long time ago. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this thing goes. No doubt. Mac, I don't know about you, but and you were probably even busier than me at times with football. I mean, we, every second of our days were scheduled. When would you have had time to put together proposals? I know it's just posting on social and stuff, but like the little free time I had, I was hanging out with my friends or my boyfriend or, you know, making these relationships that lasted lifetimes and not trying to make money on the side. I don't know. <laughs> right. You know, that's just different. Yeah. I, w I wouldn't even know where to start or how to begin. So it, it is interesting to see these guys and, and girls and how they, you know, handle this situation, how they go about it. And, um, it, like I said, we both agree. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's just a, it's a new frontier. Okay. Let's get to two more questions here, Mac. Let's start with this one from Dan Siegel at ACC content underscore. He says, you are both college athletes, but what can a non-athlete do during their college years to advance in your field? Hmm, very interesting. Well, I, I think this is something where, you know, there, there's so much opportunity and, and everybody has a camera, everybody has a microphone, everyone has a social media uh, presence or the ability 
to do right. so. And, and so I think the biggest thing is when you're in your college years that there's so much opportunity to connect with these, you know, local beat writers, websites, uh, just various things like that, that I would truly, you know, just encourage people to be a part of. Uh, and, and if you don't want all that responsibility, then just practice yourself. You know, the, you clearly have access to the games. You get to watch different things and just put it out there, share it on social media, do, do your own thing and kind of create your own platform there. But the best part about this world and, and it getting smaller and smaller, yet bigger and bigger with social media is that, you know, you can connect with anybody anywhere. And it's something that is, is really, it's, it's up to you and your work ethic. So the, the opportunity is for sure out there. I have a little bit of unique perspective because when I was getting my master's, I was a regular student. So I was a graduate assistant and I was able to work with the Clemson Athletic Communications Department a lot. And I learned so much there. I learned like the basics, you know, writing press releases and, and doing game notes and all that stuff. And a lot of those people were, were great mentors and provided great connections. So get involved with not just the local media, like Max said, but the people on campus who I had a great uh, person tell me this, Jeff Callen, who's one of my mentors. He says, we wouldn't work on a college campus if we didn't want to help people. So they work on a college campus and they want to help you find your way. So utilize those people. All right, Mac, our final question here on the Mailbag Pod. It's actually a two-parter, of course. This has been so much fun. It has to do with food. Seth and Terry ask these questions on Twitter. Let's start with this, Mac, for you. Pork belly burnt ends the best thing to make on the Traeger? Question mark? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, that No, for me. <laughs> for other people, yes. Because some people think this is like the creme de la creme. I, man, this is probably going to hurt some feelings. I actually don't like pork belly burn-ins. <gasps> I really don't. I think it's it's fun and it's cool to see it made, but I just don't enjoy it for whatever reason. Maybe I haven't like had the That's correct fine. ones. Uh, for me, it's it's ribs. Ribs are so good, and it, it you know it takes a while. You have to put you know a lot of effort into it, and then once it's finally done, uh, the reward is is just so sweet. And there's a ton of different things you you can mix it up with with sweet, with spicy, with tangy, any kind of mixture of the two. And, and there's just so many different things that I can do with the ribs from even from, I mean, like seasoning to sauce. So ribs for me is the best. And I just think Traeger makes it when you cook them on a Traeger, when you grill them or smoke them, whatever you want to call it, when you smoke them on a Traeger, it, it just tastes so good. There's, there's nothing like it. So for me, it's for sure ribs. Um, Kelly, let's go to Terry's question here. What was okay. your favorite? I love food questions. Honestly, we should have had more than these. I'm kind of, I'm not mad yes. guys. I'm just Next disappointed. Um, what was your favorite <laughs> pregame meal? Cause I bet my answer is going to be a little interesting. Oh, man. I was having to think back on this. We would have like a buffet pretty much before every meal, whether home or on the road, it wasn't like a packaged lunch. So we'd always have something hot. And then before we'd have, we'd play a lot of noon games. So we'd have more of a breakfast. So for the breakfast, for the noon games, getting, you got to get some carbs in there, some French toast, always good to fill you up, get some eggs and um, eggs and French toast, kind of my go-tos there for night games, some pasta, some spaghetti, and then probably a pretty big salad on the side there. And then really my most important thing, I mean, food was always very important. I could always feel it. If I didn't have a big enough lunch before practice, because I'm rushing all over the place, I felt it every time. So that's really important. But my biggest pregame ritual that saved me as I got older into my grandma years of my career, <laughs> Mac, my knees were just starting to kill me so much. I would cold tub after every practice, okay, right? Every game. Okay. But before, before a game, 
I go down there. I didn't have my, this is probably some TMI. I didn't, I would have on like a different pair of spandex <laughs> that I was pl- playing in the game. And I go down to our training room and I would sit in the hot tub for like 20 minutes. I had to warm up the grandma <laughs> joints, Mac. I had to warm them up bad. And so that gave me life. And then I felt like I could go roll and play and shoot some threes. There we go. Easy enough. That that was KG's secret to success. Uh, <laughs> it, it is interesting to hear different athletes' point of view and you know, kind of what what they do, how they do it. I was. This is super weird. This is like kind of psychopath tendencies. I was not a music guy before games. I just wanted to kind of be and you know talk with my guys, go through the game plan, focus, joke around a little bit, but wasn't a music sure. guy. And then team like meals. If it was a night game, the last thing that I would eat would be lunch. Uh, if it was a early, early kick, like a 12 kick, I would have like a bar and that's it. I hated that's playing, it. feeling full. Really? Yeah, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand like feeling full and playing football. So after the game though, I went nuts. Always, always went nuts. So uh, that, that's a little, uh, a little peek behind I'm the curtain. I'm shocked, Mac. How did your body perform? I wasn't full. Like we would eat, we'd probably eat pregame meal at like four, four thirty, and the game was at seven. It's probably just because you're more disciplined than me. Like if I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat. And so, Oh, I see what I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. I and can't so, believe that you went out there and played in 90 degree weather and blocked for Deshaun Watson <laughs> on a granola bar, on a, on a, on a granola bar with the water. I will say hydration was key. Hydration was True. a big thing for me because I'm a salty sweater and cramps. Um, really easy yep. to me. It's not fun. Yep. It's not fun. Anyway, guys, this was a ton of fun. Speaking of not cramping, uh, this was awesome. The mailbag episode, super successful. Really appreciate all y'all's input and getting in some great questions. We will for sure do another one of these in the future, but Friday, it's going to be a big time. We have so many great games, really excited to keep this thing going. Uh, so that's it guys. If you haven't already go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.